emphatic pauses are so powerful. So he's looking at the music, he's, he's flipping through, and then as he drops the music, drums back to reality, right? And there's just there's no music and it's so impactful and great it just cinematically it's it's very simple and it's very it's used often it's not like it's rocket science but it's so effective welcome to the 20 digit scene review podcast as always i'm your co-host david and i have here co-host alex Hello. <laughs> Today we have episode 22. We're even, and like we do every week, we take a scene, movie, or series, TV series, and each of us review it. And because it's even, I will start. So today's pick, we're going back to the 1980s, and we're going to 1984 to be exact, Amadeus. Amadeus, the movie, uh, was probably one of the most, the first or second movie I ever saw in theaters. Uh, It is that impactful for me for that reason. But I also remember coming into that theater thinking what an inspiration it was. As a classically trained pianist, it was an incredible movie for me as a kid to watch. And it would be fitting for me, especially in this podcast, as we're, uh, Alex and I are classically trained hack, hack uh, musicians, let's say, uh, to take a piece that is inspired by the great Mozart himself. Um, so I don't think Mozart needs that much introduction. The guy is a legend in his own right. Uh, it is well known. He is a genius composed when he was merely a toddler i think at the age of four or five it's arguable whether it's six or seven or eight i don't think it really matters Uh, the fact is he was a genius he was incredibly gifted and had an incredible career and it would and it i had to pick a scene from this movie and there are two notable scenes from this movie that i remember and i decided to pick one of them which is uh, the one where Salieri, who uh, is played by uh, F, oh geez, what's his name again? F. Murray Abram. <laughs> Always get that mixed up because the F in the beginning messes me up. It is F. Murray Abraham. And he is um, going through and he's looking at this uh, portfolio of music introduced to him by one of the ladies of Mozart. And it's the first time he gets to realize that that sheet and stack of music are the only copies that he has because they are all originals. He does not do copies. And the scene is incredible for many, many different reasons. One of which F. Marie Abraham's acting is just off the chart. I've watched this scene time and time again. I remember seeing it the first time. I remember just the rush of just feeling an emotion in me while I was watching him, feeling what he was feeling when he was observing, he was reading the music and realizing that he was taking, doing this music as if it was dictation. And this is right of the words of his, uh, or the script of the movie. 
and it's that rush that he portrayed on screen that I felt so strongly with as as a, as an audience, as one of the audience members. And for years to come, I would I would go back to that as as a musical inspiration as well, um, to realize that there was a, such a talent out there that could take music from his head and just write it out perfectly without a single error. Now I don't know how much of this is true, but I'm certain I think that for the most part his fame and his uh, his reputation. Uh, was very well known at the time so i think it was very much uh close to the truth now the interesting thing about this scene about the movie really uh, which i also took back is that it the 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 animosity in the movie between salieri and mozart was actually quite fictional uh it, it was actually based on a rivalry uh that was done um i think in the 1800s actually and it was a stage performance uh, that was then adapted into the movie. So like all sort of movies that are based on real characters, there's, and we've done many here, there are liberties taken for dramatic reasons, and they needed an antagonist, and, and they picked Salaria in this case. Now, the reason why this is important, I'm bringing this to light in this particular scene, is that Salieri has this envy he has incredible amount of uh, jealousy when it comes to Mozart's talent. Now, Salieri is, is, is a gifted musician in his own right. And that juxtaposition between his jealousy, his envy of his music, and yet the appreciation of this gift that he was seeing was the complexity of his acting that just completely came on screen. And... It's, there's a reason why this movie was nominated for over 88 Academy Awards. And notably, uh, both actors, um, Tom Hulse, who plays Mozart, and F. Marie Abraham, were nominated for Best Actors in the same year. And it was only F. Marie Abraham that actually got Best Actor, and quite frankly, either of them would have been deserved. So I'm going to stop there uh, just because... I could like every scene I pick I'm passionate about but um yeah as a musician this one speaks right it goes right to the heart it goes right to the the passion strings that that run the very fibers of how I run and operate every day so this one had to be said this had to be presented so Alex I I'm sure you feel the same way <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, wonderful pick. Um, and uh, it was a pleasant surprise when you, you sent me the link and I watched it. So, yeah, a number of thoughts here. Um, F. Murray Abraham, definitely hats off to him. Great acting as throughout the film, but as especially, of course, seen in this particular scene. And I liked how uh, they played the actual excerpts of Mozart's music as, oh, as he's leafing through. Right? Beautiful. And I, 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 I paused it for a moment just to double check and I do believe that the at least for the first excerpt, what they showed on the paper with the handwriting, that was actually what was was playing. Yes, you could hear the, yes. see the strings going. Da, 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 da. Um, and I, it's I'll comment that it. Let's note that it takes a bit of musical genius on Salieri's part also to, sure. to hear music just visually <laughs> seeing it right because yeah. <laughs> very few people can do that alone. I can't right? do that. <laughs> so, but yeah, that that was great, and then. 
you know, we, you and I are just really big on this. We just keep repeating this, but facial expression of, of, of Abraham here. Uh, he's really conveyed how he's just, you know, if you, if there were emojis, you could see mind blown and, and uh -huh. right. And he's just in awe of Mozart's uh, talent is this genius, his greatness, um, the closed eyes and, and just, you could, he, he just conveyed it so well of someone who's, uh, who's in awe of someone else. And, just uh, as you as you've mentioned uh, personally, I, I, I really like uh, Mozart's music, and you know I've, I've played a sonata here and there, at least badly in, at any rate, but <laughs> but played. Um, but you know, is there's something about him? And I, I remember um, in my youth, like in my teens, how we had this film, and then Hulse, what they they clearly cast him to to portray someone who was out of place in right. in that time period in that in that continent <laughs> you could almost say mm -hmm. the way he acted right and so that was great because clearly mozart is he's just another level he's just a, he's not like the rest of us so to speak and the way he was he was giggling and playful yeah, and, and all that right. thing but then <laughs> i carried that with me in in the, in my teen years in so far as you can hear someone giggle, like the music giggles too, like yeah, it does. to some yeah. extent, right? Well, it's, yeah. there's just, it's just playful the way he's got his, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, maybe we can see if we can put together some examples with some video editing, but uh, I hope my point comes across that in, in, in there's very much in, in Mozart's music that that lively spirit, that uh, little imp playing around and, and stuff. And uh, it's really fun. Now I think there was there was some someone once told me I can't remember who it was or maybe I read it somewhere that nobody ever made a difference in this world by being like every anybody everybody else right so mm. by being different is that's something to celebrate and yes I mean that sort of impishness and that gleefulness let's say of of Mozart throughout the film was evident and uh, great to see uh, on film and I wanted to add to what you had said earlier about the music and the song choices they were beautiful like the ones that he they chose when he first looks at the, the sheet music i believe it's the symphonia concertante and c major for flute so it's a it was a beautiful passage too just to sort of start looking at the music and then it just goes into the symphonies and things of that nature and then at the end where he's he's talking about the voice of god that's where he's he's talking i think he they, they, the song choice in that situation was the great mass number 17 for soloists chorus and orchestra in c minor so it's just the voice of god one of his choral pieces like it's just mm -hmm. such really nice mirror of of the the actual script and, uh, and almost a, a climax too of his assertion of what he's is what he's looking at and and i'll say this again i always say this every time about how important it is for emphatic pauses are so powerful so he's in this mode of looking at the music he's, he's flipping through and the in the song choices or the the music goes alongside as he's flipping through then as he drops the music you know jumps back to reality right and there's just mm -hmm. there's no music and it's so impactful and great it just gets the audience it, it, cinematically it's it's very simple and it's very it's used often it's not like it's rocket science but it's so effective and uh it's that again that contrast is so important so anyway i i, I really enjoyed that part of it too and of course 
maybe to even mirror some of <laughs> Mozart's playfulness is is the lady that's representing him in, the, in mm-hmm. this case, right? And she's like getting out the cookies and trying to get more. And <laughs> as, <laughs> so it was just it was just a really good scene, fun scene, and uh, yeah, it was uh, a combination of flashbacks too. Anyway, it's I could go on. yeah yeah wonderful pick yeah so with that what do you have for us this week alex all right my pick is a film called poseidon of 2006 uh watchable on netflix now in the show notes i'll have uh two segments uh, one an eight minute one and another is like a 13 minute one you can at your option, pick which one you want to. Another start. disaster pick, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, don't I know. didn't expect that. <laughs> Random, but you, uh, as audience, you can watch uh, the longer one if you want to get even fuller context. It explains a little bit better about why the people are doing what they're doing and where they're going. So this is um, the father sacrifice scene of the film. Uh, among others, the film has uh, Kurt Russell is uh, starring here, playing the father. So the context or the premise of the whole film here, we've got an ocean liner, okay, and it starts sinking. But on top, it's not just sinking, it's, it also capsizes, so meaning to say mm. it's upside down. Now, in a typical emergency on a ship, um, you know, it just starts sinking. Like you think of the movie Titanic, people go up to get on deck, then they get on mm. lifeboats, and, and off they go, nice and safe. But because it's capsized, that's no longer an option. You can't go up anymore because uh. up is down into the water. Right. Um, and so people have to navigate the interior of the ship, which is now inverted. And so they're huh. walking on ceilings and um, furniture's dropping and things like that. Mm. And so they're trying to find a different way to escape than, than the usual. Um, and they clearly, you don't have much time because <laughs> the, the ship, the integrity of the ship is structure is just failing all around them. Uh, and then water's filling up and so on. And there's all kinds of hazards because of what's happened. So it's not just the water, but there, there's fire happening. There's electricity that they have mm. to watch out for. Explosions as as fuel or or you know uh, what what not just goes off. And so what the people in the scene um, have decided is what they'll try is they, after some research or, or looking around and, and finding out, you know, it's, it's explained in the film. But they decide that they're going to go to the 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 front of the bottom of the ship just because they decided based on the the orientation that they feel where they're walking that's the there's a propeller shaft at the front also of and in, in addition to the the propulsion that's at the back but there's also some at the front and they think that this this front propeller shaft is in the open air like it's above the uh the surface of the water so that's where they're going to try to go to to mm-hmm. get out and and escape and uh, survive this whole thing. So that brings us to my scene that I've picked. So I'll go ahead and say that there are moderate spoilers here. So if you want to watch the film, go do that first before coming in here to, to listen to our episode. Uh, so they finally find the propeller shaft in this, uh, in the scene, but they discover that the propeller is still spinning like rapidly. Uh, so you can't, you can't just go waltzing out. Um, mm. so they can't escape. So, uh, Kurt Russell's character finds, um, a possible way for them to turn off the propellers so that so that the people can escape. It requires someone to go to the engine room of the ship, but from where they are, that way is now submerged in water and 150 feet away of distance. Mm. Okay, so that's roughly almost the length of an Olympic swimming pool. 
And it's not just a straight line of going. It's good right. through tunnels, doors, and hallways and whatnot. Okay. Um, and who knows if, if there are going to be locked doors or obstructions or anything like that. Okay, so it's just really a, a big problem. Um, even if the person makes it there and in one breath somehow, 150 feet, it'll be impossible for them to make it back. So that's the situation. It's, or at least it's impossible for someone who isn't trained in free diving. Like the super experts of, of the world can hold their breath for 8, 9, 10 minutes and go long distances, right? But the, this is just normal uh, people mm-hmm, on the ship mm-hmm. that we're talking about. So situation here, we have we have a father, a daughter, and a son-in-law. I'd, I've, and I forget if it's a fiancé or they're already married, but but that's roughly the, the trio that's here. Okay, So they're arguing about who should go to go do this thing to save everybody. Um, and all of them acknowledge and know that whoever goes isn't going to make it back. Uh, the son supposedly wins the argument um, between the three, mm-hmm. and so that that's... Uh, supposedly how it's going to go so he turns to say some final words to the daughter but after they he finishes that they both turn and they find that the father is gone right <laughs> and right. he's just quote unquote decided that he's the one that's going to go and <laughs> yeah. sacrifice now so yeah i mean i just picked this because of the sheer heroism of that act right of it's you and i were when we're, we're both fathers now and mm. it's different being young being different than someone our age where it's just second nature for anyone who, who just cares as a parent that you're ready to, to do whatever for your, for your children, and right. including a sacrifice of this level. And it's just going back to it. It's an incredibly difficult task of, of the swim, like even assuming he could physically hold his breath. But um, all he had was a flashlight to go. And again, it's not just a straight line, but he's just navigating through and on memory too. It's not like he has a, a little GPS on his phone that <laughs> he can just go exactly where to go. And then yeah. on top of that, even though he's there, he's, he's not necessarily someone who's well-versed enough to be able to read a ship's, an ocean liner's yeah. instrument panel and, and whatnot. So I'd be just, toast. Just, <laughs> I would never yeah, make yeah. it. And just, I would never make it. If, if yeah. faced with the same situation, I, I, I'm not sure I could muster the courage to go, right? It's just... Yeah. It's just incredible. So it, yeah, that's 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 really why I picked it. And you know, I, mm-hmm. I I won't spoil. I'll let people watch this to see how that turns out. But that's the gist of it. How yeah, the father sacrifices for the children. Well, I thought it was interesting because it was um, it's interplaying between two scenes, right? Where yeah, yeah, the the one family was trying to save the son, and um, this one was trying to turn the propeller off. And I, I just thought it was interesting that um, there was that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert! Now, uh, you know, one one succeeded and one didn't, so mm-hmm. that was interesting. Uh, cinematic, like I guess, from a cinematic point of view, they needed to do that. But it, well, I guess they didn't need to do that, but they did do that, which was nice. Um, and I know this period of of filmmaking, there was a lot of disaster movies going on, <laughs> right? There was. Uh, a lot of this father stuff going on too. I remember in Armageddon. I don't remember what what year that uh-huh. was, but I just remember that epic moment where Bruce Willis goes, you know, he's got to blow up or he's got to drill down and knock the meteor off course before it <laughs> hurtles into Earth. And mm-hmm. I remember the epic line where, you know, blah 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 doesn't know how to fail, and, and sure enough, he doesn't <laughs> fail. Right? <laughs> he sacrifices himself <laughs> for his daughter. So this. Uh, yeah, this theme was it was actually it was interesting that how you described the film. I thought that's interesting how that problem 
is you know the inverted ship that causes different types of problems so just from a solution problem statement point of view that's yeah. fascinating to deal with <laughs> because that's totally different and I, and i yeah, thought absolutely man, i thought when i saw this film i thought it was a monster movie <laughs> i thought there was like a, <laughs> a sea creature coming on but then i realized pretty quickly that wasn't the case it was uh was this based on a true story at all or no this was just i, I don't fictional. think so i think it was okay. fictional yeah all right but yeah that was that was cool actually how that worked out and panned out but uh yeah, no, that's good. I, I like that. I like, and yeah, just the sheer heroism of that, of, of, of being a father certainly was uh, coming into play here. So, yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the capsize, it, it was, it was just a good idea in terms of the overall, I don't know, uh, mm-hmm. script of the film, how, cause then that, that could let them write out so many different things. Like you can't take stairs the same way or, things that that are supposed to be bolted or on the ground are not anymore they're like they've fallen up to the ceiling so to speak and right then the, right. any electrical work that would be on the ceiling yeah. for lighting and whatnot you have to watch out for that and uh, yeah, it's an interesting problem to deal with uh, that's what's yeah. fascinating to me more than anything right yeah. and then even even the kind of nautical things like um whether there's ballasts or or other things that are at the bottom of the ship but now they're at the top yeah. and they're they're upside down so the if they're relying on gravity to operate correctly well that's not going to work anymore no. sort of thing no. right so yeah no. that's an interesting problem for sure yeah yeah quite fascinating and it was nice to see richard dreyfus <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, I was like yeah. wait a minute is that him because I thought yeah. this was a recent movie. I'm like, man, no, he looks too young here. And oh, yeah, okay, so this is a mid-2000s <laughs> film. But, yeah. you know, this is a guy that's not really, uh, he's not he's not uh, foreign to water in movies. <laughs> 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 Having done Jaws, right? So <laughs> uh, I'm sure he's used to this. I mean, I, that's the other thing. I, I look at this. I look at the actors having to walk through that water. It must be freaking cold. How many takes do they have to do? Like, I never, every time, I never thought about this before, but when you really think about the process of what the what the actors have to deal with in, in the water and the directors and stuff, like, oh, man, that's tough to deal with. That's really right, tough Right, with all their equipment. With. Yeah, and then it's, yeah, that too. And then having to go in and it's not quite right, then I could do it again. And I remember uh-huh. uh, I, I aspired to be an extra for this, uh, one of those, I forget the name of the movie um, that was here in the city, but someone who did go told me after that there was just they were filming at two one three in the morning for out like and the they were had to film in the rain because they were filming a, a shooting scene with the rain and the actor not just was freezing they're just just freezing and had to do that and just going in and out in and out like it just i, I just can't imagine just looking at them going through that process wading through the water i'm like oh my god <laughs> yeah you're right must be it's, quite the physical ordeal it, and it is i also wonder it is like how much was cg and how much not right like how could they have set well, up like did they did they find a ship start wrecking up bits of it and <laughs> well I, I i'm sure like oh well certainly the the probably the outer parts of the film like the the ship and stuff with some cg going on but when they're in there waiting in the water there's no cg going on there <laughs> right yeah. they're blasting in the water and stuff like that's that's it's cold it's not warm water right they don't just they, they don't have like a heater nearby for you, <laughs> yeah yeah like you're, you're coming in and then they're 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 probably giving you a, a jacket or something after the cut's done. So anyway, no, that's uh, it was nice, nice pick there, and just the little things that you don't realize when 
when watching some of these things. So mm-hmm. kind of hats off to the actors there for making it look so good. All right. Well, I guess that uh, concludes this episode 22. Thank you so much. This was fun as always. Uh, all those, the, the audience, those listening, those watching, we always have show notes. So do check out our website and for additional notes, if you are curious about this particular scene or movie and thanks again for, for listening, Alex, any final words at all before we sign off? Nope. Thank you uh, to audience for sticking with us all these episodes. And uh, we hope to have you listening on, on all the future ones too. All right. 23. Here we come. I don't think we're stopping here. Nope. Not at all. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a good night. Have a good day. Have a good morning. Thanks for listening. You can email us at scenereview at 20digit.com and find us on YouTube by searching for 20 digit productions. And we're 20 digit on Twitter and Instagram. Note that our website and all our online IDs are spelled with numbers, 20-D-I-G-I-T. Thanks for listening to the 20-Digit Scene Review Podcast.